It's time to pull those belts tight, race fans. The Front Stretch is coming at you. Presented by Joe's Karting and Council Bluffs. Now, here's Dan Taylor and Dirk Houston. Welcome to the Front Stretch Race Fans, presented by Joe's Carding at Council Bluffs, online at joescarding.com. Fast-paced white-knuckle racing just across the river on 23rd Avenue. Get over to Joe's Carding today. Actually, get over there tonight for the start of the Slick Track uh, League that's going to be kicking off. I believe it's 7 o'clock, and I think the cat is officially out of the bag. Roger Hayden will be flagging the uh, league on Tuesday nights. So you're not going to get much past the uh, former driver, current owner of Eagle Raceway and uh, all around race official aficionado. But uh, get down to Quakers to get down to uh, Joe's Carding. Heck, get over to Quaker Steak and Lube ahead of time. Get yourself something good to eat. I know uh, Roger said that he makes an appearance over at Quaker Steak and Lube every Tuesday night before he goes over and flags at the leagues. So uh, you can uh, bend Roger's ear. Maybe you'd like to see something happen at, at Eagle Raceway for 2023. I don't know. Late models. Well, IMCA sanction flagman for tonight or for the whole year? Oh, the whole year. Oh, yeah. So, um, that was kind of the surprise celebrity guest that I wasn't allowed to talk about until, well, I mean, today. I think the cat's out of the bag. So, uh, let's see. Did anything happen at Martinsville? Nope. They ran a race and some guy won, one guy got disqualified, and everybody went home. All right, then. Oh, is NASCAR picking on another driver? Who'd they get this time? Why? There's just, you know, there, there, there's too many rules in this rule book. What are they doing picking on my driver? Who'd they disqualify? Um, <laughs> actually disqualified some guy named Keslowski by probably the oldest rule in the book. Oh, well, there's still this. Wait, oldest? It's wait. So it, are they picking on him? No, no. I'm, I'm still interested to find out what actually happened. Uh, according to the the uh, release, trying to find the article on J-Ski that's usually got it down pretty good. Martinsville post-race inspection complete. Brakislavski was disqualified for not meeting the minimum weight requirements per NASCAR's rulebook section 14.11.2. Old Kezi crossed the line, the scale a little bit light. Yeah, well, that part I understand. That's self-explanatory. Mm-hmm. But you tell me. Every time some guy loses a weight on the track, we always hear about it, correct? Yeah. I'm trying to figure out how he got light without losing weight on the track. Uh, I mean, the obvious possibility that could be out there, hopefully shouldn't be, but did they miss it during pre-race inspection? Well, yeah, that's, that's why I said I want to know what happened. You know, every time if somebody loses a weight, they say so. It's You know, you you lose that much of a weight it, it and it, it finds its way on the racetrack. It's. Oh, it ain't going to go nowhere. It's not like it's going to bounce over the fence. <laughs> right. It'll usually you know? end up damaging somebody else's car on pit road, on the apron, something that's very easy for NASCAR to see. Now I believe in dirt, it's typically painted silver. It, it, does NASCAR require these guys to paint it some sort of more obvious color, like a neon orange or something like that? Well, okay, as it, per dirt and per NASCAR's rule book and per the rule book at every dirt track around here, the weight is painted white. Okay, white. The only reason the weight paint the white the the thing looks silver is 99% of the weight is lead. Mm. Especially around here. You get into NASCAR upper series and whatnot, a lot of times they'll use 
you know, some exotic metals that are a little, little more dense. So you don't have as big a piece of metal to weigh as much type thing. Am I thinking but tungsten? All your car stuff is lead. And the reason it looks silver is because the paint's worn off, rubbed off, scratched off, whatever. Okay. And it then they're, they're also marked. They're supposed to be stamped with the car number and then also marked with the car number. And you get up again in the cup series and you'll have a stamp where then they then paint the stamp number, you know, in red or black or whatever, something contrary to the white, mm -hmm. you know, so it's pretty easy to see around here a lot on the dirt cars. You'll just see the guys take a Sharpie, you know, and put their number on the piece of lead in 10 places, stuff like that. But uh, in NASCAR, you don't even see the lead because it's all inside of a uh, piece of square tubing, you know. And so I, I, I don't know what happened. And I'm very curious. And I've got a few phone calls out to see if I can find out. I don't know if I will or not, but I'm going to try. Yeah, um, it, it, going back to the NASCAR, we've had issues with drivers losing that that counterweight or that weight uh, element. I, I believe it's tungsten, but I I could be off or outdated or wrong. Well, um, that's one of the exotic metals they use, but a lot yeah. of times the weight is just lead, also. Okay, so. and I and they have made it specific to where you have to really screw up for it to come loose from this container. It it's not something that it's like zip tied onto the frame like it is typically at dirt or, or maybe a metal zip tie or something a little bit more firm. Um, could be bolted, but either way, in an accident or over years of of use or abuse, it could make its way loose. In wow. the NASCAR world, it's it's very difficult for this to to jar loose. Well, I I will be totally honest. In my years of teching and all the different tracks around here on the dirt cars, I honestly never did see a weight that was zip tied on. They're oh. put on with a half inch bolt. Um, sometimes the guys don't use enough bolts. But yeah, I you know you said yeah. zip tied and that one kind of that one made me that made, sounded like midget to you. Oh. <laughs> Why did you get to say that? But, All right, uh, uh, rest of the the Martinsville race, it didn't seem like there was a lot that happened. Uh, Denny Hamlin had a good car early on. Pit road issues. I think I, I saw an interview. I don't know if it was his car chief or his crew chief or somebody that was just associated with the team, but basically just said. We gave it away on pit road three. The last three pit stops, we gave away four pit, four positions, three positions and five positions. And you can't do that and go out there and expect to win a championship. Well, the last pit stop, you had a couple guys that didn't pit. And you had a few guys that only took two tires. Mm -hmm. So you can't count those against your pit, you know, against your uh, pit crew. Now, the other, the other pit stops, I don't know if there was anything like that. I don't think there was. But the last pit stop, like I said, I know there was four or five. There might have been three guys that took two tires. Maybe it was just two, but there were two guys, Briscoe and uh, Cole Custer. Teammates stayed out on the track. Yeah. So, yeah, you can't count those those spots as losing it on pit road. But uh, Well, and maybe they're counting other four-car tire teams that they took four tires. They came in behind Denny, but they left in front of Denny because they had a slow stop. Now, I don't think there was that many, though. That's just it. I thought he came in in fifth and came out in 10th. That could be, but four of the cars that stayed there, two of the cars stayed out that were behind him. Well, they're so not going to count that because they, but anyways, it, you can't have that meant that slow stops. And, and I kept looking up watching during pit roads and he would have, you know, 11 or 11 and a half second stops where everyone else is 10 and a half seconds. It, the 
three times that I've watched him that, um, but that really turned the tide that it was enabled Christopher Bell, who had good stops and was out front, had good restarts to be able to go on and, and dominate this, the end, the last half of this race. Yeah. I don't know where Christopher Bell restarted on that last restart, but he wasn't in the top six. I know that. Yeah. I, I want to say he was maybe third row inside. No, he was not in the top six. That's what I'm saying. Okay. He was not, he was, he was not in the top six, I don't think, but I, I was going to say he was probably in the fourth row, seventh or eighth, but uh, yeah, I mean, you know, and he was hustling, he was going mm-hmm. after it. Um, I was surprised Briscoe held on as he did for so long. But Chris, good for Christopher Bell. He was able to make his way back to the front sixth in stage one, fifth in stage two. We talked about it on uh, last week's show. It was a winner, winner go home kind of a situation for him. And um he ponied up and ended up getting the win of the race. Uh, Kyle Larson brought it home in second. Ryan Blaney in third. Uh, Brad Keselowski crossed the line in fourth. And then Ross Chastain, Denny Hamlin, Joey Logano, William Byron, Bubba Wallace, and uh, Chase Briscoe. But as we talked about, old bad Brad crossed the, the tech inspection line. Uh, according to NASCAR, didn't say how much or 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 any kind of anything other than that. We might get some news later this week from some other stories that come out, but um, he crossed the line last, uh, he crossed the line light. So he was disqualified from the race. He was scored in 36th position, received one point for the day, which I mean, at this point, does it matter? I don't know where he's at in the owner's points or in the uh, championship points, but I I guess it hurts. It's frustrating for those guys because they're, they, they had a good car all day. Yeah, but you don't know. I mean, I, I know how they used to do things as far as the scale after the race. They got a percentage that they were allowed, you know. Mm-hmm. So if he was light, he was extremely light. Right. It's the same thing on pit road where people always get mad when somebody gets busted for pit road speeding and the NASCAR has to come out and say, yeah, but they're given five miles an hour variance. So it's not like we busted him for 0.01 miles per hour over the speed limit. We busted him for five Point zero six miles over the speed limit. So they got, they, they took advantage of that distance. And actually, now that I think about it, did I see some, a bunch of replays of maybe chase Briscoe getting away with possibly speeding into his pit box? Mm, I don't think so. Early in the race, I kept seeing replays of them and he was next to Denny Hamlin, I believe, or no, he might've been behind Denny Hamlin. And when he came into his pit box, he ended up getting in front of Denny Hamlin and then breaking real hard and getting into his pit box. And they kept showing that over and over again, but I didn't have any audio to be able to see, hear what they were talking about. They time you between the lines. Mm -hmm. You've got, you know, the uh, six lines on pit road, I believe is what they talked about at Martinsville. And they time you on those. In between those lines, you could go 400 miles an hour to two foot in front of the line and stop and then sit there and wait for your time and then cross the line. And technically you didn't speed. Right. And they, all the teams know where these lines are at. Matt Kenseth was the first one that figured that out. Mm -hmm. You would see Matt Kenseth come into his pit stall like a rocket. I mean, he'd get to pass his line and he knew he was in his pit stone. And so he was going to be sitting there for 10 seconds and he would just hammer down into his pit stall. Right. You know, because he didn't have to worry about speeding when you threw the 10 or 11 second pit stop in. He was the guy, he was the first guy that figured that out many years ago. And now everybody knows it. So they all play the game. Um, So Brad Kozlowski gets disqualified from the results at Martinsville, ends up finishing tail end Charlie. 
Tyler Reddick is another story we should probably talk about. He retired early. Uh, apparently, he wasn't feeling very well at the beginning of the race. Um, quote from Tyler says, my head went flying back into the headrest. Uh, I believe he ended up rear-ending somebody semi-lightly, but he explained uh, that's the reason why he pulled his car into the garage. I believe he radioed over and said, guys, I'm not feeling well. I got to go to the garage. And uh, he retired early, and now they're kind of talking about possible uh, concussion symptoms or some sort of issue, again, with the safety of this car. Well, I doubt he hit anybody. I'll bet he got hit. He got bumpered from behind if he popped his head into the headrest real hard. Yeah. He said yeah, he was I, checked I, out in the infield care center and was released. But he'll continue to evaluate as the week goes on and make sure he's clear to race at Phoenix. Which will be his final race for Richard Childress racing, right? Right. But Richard Childress was spot on when he come over. He didn't start bitching at him and, you know, anything like that. He gave the kid a hug. And, yeah. You know. To go sit down and there wasn't anybody around. There wasn't a, any of the Xfinity drivers still around for anybody to take his seat. So um, Tyler put out a tweet Monday afternoon, said update on my current situation during the restart at the beginning of stage two, I was involved in a stack up where significant contact occurred to my vehicle. After being evaluated in the infield care center, the medical team came to the conclusion that further evaluation today was the next step to take. We are taking those necessary steps to make sure that I'm 100% before I am cleared to return to racing. I'm feeling better and working hard following the instructions of the medical team. I think I remember that. That was one where Denny Hamlin started in the restart box really late and caused a big stack up farther back. Yeah, that might have been that one. I remember that restart. He didn't He didn't hit the gas until the, the second line. Yeah. And uh, I think the broadcast team even mentioned that it caused an accordion effect farther back. Well, yeah, they showed a picture, and you you look down the front straightaway, and the guys were five wide. They were just all over the place, you know. Everybody just kind of scattered, and you know, yeah, it's just nature of the beast, so to speak. But that's why it's important to be on the point for the restarts. Yep, I, and I think NASCAR, the guys even talked about on the broadcast, said that it really he didn't do anything illegal. He just played the game better than anybody was expecting. Well, yeah, it you know. He just did something that most of the guys are, are usually trying to build as much speed as they can on that front straightaway. He just tried to get as much space by waiting, and he did. Yep. He jumped out to a good two or three car length lead just in a half straightaway. So, All right, so let's talk about the Ross Chastain uh, move on the final set of corners. Everybody's probably seen the clip. I mean, it is literally all over Facebook over the last 36 hours. The memes... I've enjoyed these memes a lot better than I enjoyed the ones a week ago. It's that he, I mean, there's no other way to say it. The, the man just took a shot and this is what we love about the guy. I mean, he's, he is a determined racer and he not only picks up the positions he needed to kick Denny Hamlin out. He actually ended up beating Denny Hamlin to the line in a move that everybody is surprised actually worked. And you've been watching NASCAR a lot longer than most of us listening and including me. Have you ever seen anything like that before at Martinsville? Not at Martinsville. I mean, Kyle Larson did something similar at Darlington and Carl Edwards. I don't know, probably 
2008 or nine, tried something real similar at Kansas. He just, Carl went in way hard and dive bombed through three. He didn't ride the wall all the way around, but by the middle of three and four, he was in the wall and rode it for a little bit. Yeah. And then just tried to keep control of the car and get across the finish line. Cause it was on the, on the same deal. It was on the, the last lap that Carl tried it and for Kyle Larson. Yeah, and I think Carl was trying to catch Jimmy Johnson, who he'd been trying to catch all day long. Right. And yep. he just said in his post-race interview, just said, it worked on PlayStation, so I figured I'd give it a shot. I mean, I had nothing else to lose. <laughs> well, and that's basically, you know, what what uh, Ross said. You know, he goes, he goes when in, I played a lot of 2005, you know, the Cup Series for NASCAR, and, and uh, he goes, that last 10 laps, you know, I've been thinking about it. It always worked on the, on the game, on the video game. And so I figured I had nothing to lose. So I just gave it a shot. Man, it, the, the speed he carried through the corner. I can't believe he didn't scrub off more speed. Well, he was just hammered down. I mean, he didn't, he didn't turn into the corner and then go up and hit the wall. Right. He went, he went into the corner on the wall. When do you, th did he say in any of his interviews when he thought, when he, when it occurred to him to try it, like was, well, he said he thought about it for the last 10 laps. Okay. Cause he, he, you could see he lined up against that outside wall just normally, but he never slowed down. He just kind of pressed up against the wall and rode it around. And I got honest when I watched it, I thought, well, they're, they're showing the replay in fast forward speed. They'll get it fixed and they'll show me another replay. And then they kept showing, it kept showing. And I'm like, my God, that's his actual speed. It looked yeah. like one of those 1920 films that is running at faster frames per second. So it looks like everyone's moving at a fast pace, but it was just the way it was filmed back then. It was the craziest thing I've seen. Yeah, he just, yeah, like I said, he he never slowed down. He was on the wall before he got to the turn, and he just, you know, he tried to keep it on the wall, and he tried to keep the hammer down, and he came off the wall a little bit after that when he got out of turn four. But after when he was in back into turn one, he was back up on the wall again. Yeah. Oh, and, and he, he rear-ended the, the back of uh, uh, Brad Keselowski as none of them expected to see that. Ended up getting by yeah, Hamlin, so who was – yeah. Well, I wonder, you know, they kept showing during the race that Brad had that new rear-mounted camera in instead of a mirror. I wonder what the hell he thought was coming in the, in the camera. <laughs> that was interesting. Joey Logano's comments post-race – said that uh, NASCAR might need to look at creating a rule to where drivers, once they touch the wall, aren't able to advance their position to stop drivers from doing this at other racetracks. What, do you th what, what are your thoughts on that? My thought on that is, okay, so you go out the third lap at Darlington and you get a Darlington strike. Now you can't pass anybody the rest of the day because you hit the wall? I would imagine they're going to have to get very wordy with this to where – uh, you NASCAR, will have to, I don't know. No more judgment calls, NASCAR. No more judgment calls. Yeah. The only way I'm get... I'm in favor of this is it, it could be a safety issue somewhere where just some dumb kid, I don't know, Ty Gibbs, tries it at some racetrack that it's not safe to try it at. Maybe he tries it at Texas and bounces off the wall, comes down in front of traffic and causes a huge pileup. That's, that's the only Ish, the only thing I would say that, that Joey Logano's got a point that it, it might become a safety issue with some of these young, dumb kids. Well, then that's something that ought to be talked about in the driver's meeting. I mean, you know, where a veteran ought to tell some kid, yeah, you can try that, you know, here at Martinsville. You can maybe even try it at Bristol. 
But, you know, because it happens at Bristol and nobody's tried to do it and intentionally done it. But there's guys that have ridden the wall all the way around a corner at Bristol. Yeah. You yeah, know, it, just when you're up there running a foot from the wall, it just happens. Sometimes. Right. Right. And, and if it was if it was Denny Hamlin that said this, I'd immediately dismiss it as it's just sour grapes because he got beat. Uh, but Joey Logano had no dog in the fight. So it kind of I kind of wonder if maybe maybe this is one of those situations where immediately we say, ah, shut up. You're just you're just complaining or whatever. But then months down the road, we're like, oh, God, maybe he had a point. Because like I said, Joey Logano's got no dog in the fight. And then we come to Kyle Larson's comments, which really surprised me. He used the term embarrassing and bad for the sport. And he got a little snippy with reporters during the post-race interview where they said, what don't you, what do you feel is embarrassing about it? And he kind of fired back and said, you think it's okay? You think this is, this is good for the sport? And my immediate response is yes, look at social media, but he's talking to reporters five minutes after it happened. I'm watching it hours after he did the interview, but I was really surprised to see that, that Kyle Larson took that stance on it. Well, my, if I was a reporter, I would look right back at Kyle and I said, well, what's bad about it? What's bad about it? You tried it at Darlington and it didn't work and Ross tried it here and made it work. Is that what's bad about it? You look stupid and Ross didn't. Do you think maybe he got a little talking to by Rick Hendrick and or somebody up, maybe Jeff Gordon in the higher ups at Hendrick Motorsports? And and that's Kyle's stance now is the bosses told me this is embarrassing and I I guess I agree with him. So that's where I'm going to go. No, I I don't think that because you really don't have time to think about that. And it's not like he's tried it 10 times. Yeah. You know, he kind of took a shot with it one time and it was at Darlington and a little bit bigger track. And um, there's just so many different parameters on a bank track like Darlington, or like you said, you know, the mile and a half Texas, Charlotte, Atlanta, you know, Vegas, Kansas, wherever they're banked so much more than the flat Martinsville. Mm -hmm. And there's a huge difference trying to go in and run around their wall at 180 miles an hour than there is at a buck 20. Right. You know? Um, yeah, I, I don't, I have no problem with it whatsoever. You and I know Ross was a big eye racer back in the day. Remember that at mm-hmm. Kansas when he won the truck race, what, four or five years ago. Yeah. And we had an interview with him on Sunday and we were watching the truck race while we had dinner the night before. And he came out of turn two with a couple laps to go in the race and got really squirrely and made a great save and went on to win the race. So the next day I asked him that question. I said, Hey, when you're doing your eye racing, cause we all know you're a big eye race guy and you get her crossed up like that. Is that where you learn to make this save? He goes, Oh no, man, I just hit reset. He <laughs> 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 looked us right in the eye and said that. No, yeah. I get crossed up. I didn't hit reset. Yeah, so. he's a great driver. I'm I'm really excited that he's in the championship four. Uh, and to kind of curtail what you're talking about, despite some of the things I posted on social media, I have zero zero issues with what uh, with what Ross Chastain did. Uh, I think that NASCAR needs to look at what Ty Gibbs did far before they look at what uh, what Ross Chastain did. Uh, Ty Gibbs just. I don't know if you want to call it. Uh, I, I didn't he mean to wreck him. I just wanted to rattle his cage. He counts or... Brandon Jones. Well, I, I don't think it was that far. I, I think he, I could make an argument that Brandon Jones might've gotten into the corner a little bit harder than he was expecting while he was fully anticipating moving him out of the way. So it just compounded the, the bump. 
uh, I think he was trying to do a bump and run, and and he he t- did, did he not pull it off. It, he hit him hard enough it buckled the hood. Yeah, there was no bump. He knows well, he drilled him. He got him the hell out of the way. And the bigger issue that he's going to have to deal with is that he his over aggression, which I have been a fan of, not necessarily his, but I've been a fan of aggressive driving, eliminated his teammate from the playoff. When if they would have finished one and two, you'd be talking about another Joe Gibbs racing car in the playoff championship uh, race at Phoenix, as opposed to uh, Brandon Jones being on the uh, sidelines. I mean, he's still going to be racing, but he's not going to be racing for the championship. It, well, it was an aggressive move, but it wasn't a smart move. Yeah, you, you would have had two JGR cars with Gibbs and Jones, and then you would have had the two um, junior motorsports cars with Gregson and Barry. Mm-hmm. That would have been your championship four. Now you have four junior motorsports drivers against Ty Gibbs. Yeah. Because Justin Allgaier got in with Barry and Gregson, and Brandon Jones – He's already signed with Junior for next year. So I don't think he's going to have any problems on the first lap of putting Ty, Ty Gibbs in the wall and let the three junior cars decide the championship. Well, and one of the uh, – and my counter to that is I'm not sure Brandon's going to have to do it. Ty Gibbs has made plenty of enemies with the junior motorsports drivers that they may take care of it on their own. Well, uh, the three, three of the four other ones, three of the four drivers are in the title. So those three guys aren't going to do it. Yeah. You know, uh, unless they get a couple laps down early in the race or something, you know, they have some type of an issue, but right. if they're on the lead lap late in the race, they're not going to be involved in anything. And that yeah. Brandon Jones got nothing to lose. He's never going to get another paycheck from Gibbs. He has got nothing to lose, but stuffed a little arrogant prick into the wall. <laughs> Normally I would take a fit, but I absolutely agree. I, man, that kid's got a lot to learn. It, He's a talented driver, but he has got a lot to learn. <laughs> Anything else on the Ross Chastain, Martinsville stuff? No. Um, okay. No, like I said, it was, I mean, that was the most exciting point of the race, but there was actually a little bit of racing going on. Fox or uh, NBC did a good job. Excuse me, not Fox. They don't do a good job. <laughs> but NBC did a great job of showing a lot of the racing going on in the field just because of the playoff stuff. Yeah. Mm-hmm. A lot of split screen. They'd have Denny Hamlin on one screen and, you know, Christopher Bell's got a three second or four second lead. And then they got Ross Chastain on the other screen. They did it for a while with William Byron. Um, there was a lot of stuff going on. They, they did a pretty good job of keeping the cameras where the action was. Right. More news. Rodney Childers has tweeted out. Well, he got asked a question, said, uh, the real question is, are you coming back at the track for one final ride in 2023? Rodney replied, me? Uh, There's a lot of people wondering that, as it seems. I'm not going anywhere until KH runs me off or he's done. If he's racing, I want to be a part of it. But I will say I've learned a lot these last four weeks. Not going to say what, and I have really enjoyed my family. Remember, Rodney Childers has been on a four-week vacation uh, courtesy of NASCAR after uh, they were fined for single source part modification. Uh, they right. were found illegal by NASCAR a few weeks back. So yeah, it'll be interesting to see what happens, but Rodney Childress says, as long as Kevin Harvick is racing, he'll be uh, on the pit box with him or until Kevin runs him off. Uh, speaking of racing, kind of a surprise, Alex Bowman and Hendrick Motorsports announced that Alex will return to the 48 car 
this coming weekend at Phoenix. He has been cleared by doctors after suffering a concussion September 25th at Texas Motor Speedway. They announced uh, early last week or middle of last week. Actually, it was late. It was after we'd recorded our Thursday show that uh, that he is going to be coming back uh, and racing the 48 at Phoenix. We both kind of discussed that probably the smarter move would be just to leave him out of the car and make sure he's fully healthy. Well, that or if he wanted to come back, why wasn't he in the car in Martinsville? Yeah, he was cleared. Well, yeah. they already announced he wasn't driving. Oh, BS. That's garbage. Yeah, and I mean, it was what was it Friday that came out? Thursday. Thursday. Yep. Because he yeah. had plenty of time to put his seat in his car and go race Martinsville. Uh, Texas Motor Speedway. There's a conversation that there could be a new configuration coming. Marcus Smith, chief executive officer of Speedway Motors, which owns Texas Motor Speedway, was on Dale Earnhardt Jr.'s Dale Jr. download and discussed a variety of topics, including if any changes will be made to Texas's surface. Marcus said, what we're doing now is working with iRacing to research a couple of different profile changes that might do that we might do at the track. I would be interested in them doing anything with Texas Motor Speedway because that's one of my least favorite races on the schedule. Yeah, that's uh, it's a little bit of the tail wagging the dog, mm-hmm. but it might become the norm if they find something and it makes the racing good. There. Yeah. I think they could reprofile the track down to about uh, three-eighths of a mile, or excuse me, three-quarters of a mile, mm-hmm. and have some very good racing. Yeah, maybe. Uh, this Sunday, we will be at Quaker Steak and Lube for the Phoenix Viewing Party. The race starts at 2. The party starts at 12.30. We have been given the green light for all-you-can-eat wings exclusively for Front Stretch listeners. I'm going to work with Quaker Steak and Lube the rest of this week. We'll probably put some sort of a graphic up on our Facebook page. You will need to show your server that in order to get the all-you-can-eat wings uh, pricing. So make sure you're following our Front Stretch Facebook page and get out to uh, Quaker Steak and Lube on Sunday for all the great NASCAR action. Joey Logano, Ross Chastain, Chase Elliott, and Christopher Bell are the only four drivers that could win a championship All bonus points are off. All stage points are off. It all comes down to who finishes the best of those four drivers. Uh, Without seeing practice or qualifying, Dirk, who you think, who you picking for Sunday? When you, when you look at the way things have gone in there, to me, the strongest driver in the field is Logano. Okay. Obviously the most experienced driver in the field is Logano, Mm -hmm. but you got Christopher Bell that needed was in two must-win situations and won them both. So he doesn't mind the pressure. That's obvious. Yeah. Ross, Ross is just Ross, you know. He's, but do you think Denny, he's got the least of the pressure of all of them? Because if he goes out there and finishes fourth, he's had a tremendous year with a two uh, second-year team. The only pressure, pressure Ross is going to have is on himself. Yep. You know, um, he's not going to have any pressure. You know, he. let's face it, he shouldn't be here. You know, he pulled off. <laughs> He, he pulled off the, the iRacing move of the century and, yeah. and got himself in. Um, you know, he's been a solid car 90% of the time he's on the track this year. He had a few bad runs. I figure if Denny Hamlin's ever going to make his payback, now he's got another reason to. Ooh, or as I, I like to put it, he kicked, he kicked Hamlin in the, in the nads again. <laughs> I, I don't think Hamlin's going to do anything in this race. I think NASCAR is going to make it very clear to every other driver in the field do not mess with the championship four. You got yeah. something to settle, settle it in 2023. 
do not mess with these four drivers. Yeah, I kind of think that's the way it's going to be. And unfortunately, I think that's the way it might be in the Xfinity race too. Yeah. But, uh, the drivers aren't as good in the Xfinity race and, you know, a lot of things can happen. So, right. so who are you going with? Who are you thinking? Legato? Uh, I'm going to wait and see what the odds makers say. All right. I'm but, going early. I'm going to go with our man. I think Ross Chastain has proven that he is 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 carrying Trackhouse Motorsports. And I think he he's one of those guys that understands that this this may be his last opportunity to win a championship. Despite whatever happens in the future, a lot of really really talented drivers don't even get one shot at winning a championship. He is one race away and I think he takes it takes the bull by the horn. He throws those big watermelons over his shoulder again. And he goes and gets it done. You got two first timers, mm-hmm. you know, just a couple of years experience for each one in cup going in against two previous champions. It's going to so. be a good race. It's really going to be interesting to see. I hope everybody joins us Sunday, a quicker stake at Lubin council bluff starting at 1230. And uh, we're going to have a lot of fun stuff going on. A lot of trivia, a lot of prizes to win. So make sure you guys are at quicker stake and lube. You don't have to be there right at 1230. But uh, if you want to get in on any of the uh, cash pool prizes, make sure you're there before the drop of the green flag at about 2.15. And uh, head up to the uh, Fred Stretch booth. Can't miss us. We're in the far south room in the Brickyard where we always are. And uh, you can talk to Dirk about getting set up for those pools. I know Quaker Steak and Lube is going to do their pick the winner and win a $100 gift card from Quaker Steak and Lube. So much fun stuff going on. And then come back Monday night for the Eagle Raceway Track Champions interviews. Also got one more interview confirmed for that night. Roger Hayden is going to join us. And I think it's been almost two years since we've had Roger on the show. And uh, as far as the cash pools go, we're going to switch them up a little bit. So don't be surprised. Anybody that's listening that's going to be there on Sunday. There's only four cars that matter. Right. There is absolutely a very odd possibility that the way we've done the pools in the past with everybody, with somebody getting four drivers, it would really be odd if they qualified first 11, 21st and 31st. Okay. (laughs) That would be odd, but it wouldn't be odd to have two of them under the same number. Mm -hmm. So instead of doing something like that and really cutting the odds down, um, and it has been a championship driver that's won the race every year. Okay. Since, since they've gone to this format, Mm-hmm. You know, the, the champion hasn't finished second or third or fourth. Right. They, they always win the race. We're just going to have four numbers in each pool. So you got a one out of four chance of winning. So if it's a $20 pool, you throw in your 20, you get your driver, whoever it's going to be. And if you win, you're going to make 60 bucks. If it's a $10 pool, you'll make 30 bucks. If it's a $5 pool, you'll make 15 bucks. So there'll be a lot more pools and there'll be a lot more winners. That's all coming up. Some other gifts and whatnot, prizes and whatnot. We're going to be passing out. So that's all coming up Sunday. A quicker steak and lube just around the corner. Adam Smith, sport compact track champion at ID Speedway. This is a great story. I love talking to Adam. I think he did a fantastic job joining us on the show. And uh, of course, having the first responder foundation motorsports team there uh, kind of helped him out too. hang tight. Dirk and I'll be right back in turn number two.
Every race car driver has run into the same problem. It's well past normal parts store closing hours, but you need that one to finish your car. The guys who brought you White Knuckle Racing by the River bring you Joe's Karting Racing Parts and Tire Store. Open until 10 p.m. Monday to Thursday and open until 11 p.m. on Friday and Saturday. A parts store that fits your after-hours schedule and you can turn a few laps at Joe's Karting while you're waiting for your part to get pulled from their warehouse. Joe'sKarting.com for more information. Hey guys, Dan Taylor with Tailored Computers and Repair. I've been talking about a hard drive upgrade on the Pubcast for quite a long time, and here's a little more detail behind it. Older laptops, older computers, maybe four or five years old, the hard drives that came with them just simply were not built for Windows 10. A new hard drive from Tailored Computers and Repair will breathe brand new life into your laptop and computer. Not only will it make it faster, but it will make your laptop battery last longer and it will run cooler, which will also help the battery last a lot longer. Not only does your computer or laptop get even faster, but all of your files, settings, pictures, everything is exactly where you left it. Within about a day, maybe two days, you're gonna get your same computer back but it's gonna run faster, cooler, and the battery's gonna last longer on laptops. Give me a call today, 402-659-5641. Find out what a hard drive upgrade can do for your computer and get some valuable time back. We're hooked up in turn two and still showing the green flag on the front stretch. Welcome back to the front stretch, rolling into turn number two, presented by Quaker Steak and Lube, the official watering hole of the front stretch. Get over to Quaker Steak and Lube at Council Bluffs for all the great food, sights, sounds, and oh, the smells. Get over to Joe's Carding today. Do yourself right with a little indoor cart racing. Joining us on the show in his third year of being a race car driver. Third or second? Uh, well, second full-time. Full-time. Full uh, ends up picking up a track championship. Adam Smith in the uh, First Responders Foundation Motorsports Sport Compact. By the way, when you guys leave, the Joe's Carding should still be open. All right, we'll have so, to hit it up. I think you guys need to go over there. I would love to see, uh, well, that entire t- I w- Can we film that entire race? Yeah, first responder race team, yeah. go-kart race. Yeah, I like it. Uh, over, under. Oh, what's that? You'll film for me? You're not going to race? I think you should race. Last time she raced over there, she hit the tires and went up on top of the tires. Nice. Over there. And she had a giant bruise nice. for weeks. <laughs> so she was... Audition for a stunt driver or yeah, what? Yeah, she was trying. <laughs> I think my favorite story is uh, Josh Most, who you, same town, you guys yep. know. Yeah, he was uh, in my class. Yep. Down in Red Oak. Um, and you claim it? Oh, yeah. <laughs> he, uh, him and his now wife, Nicole, at that time, girlfriend, were racing as a part of the Racing with the Stars. And apparently he kept trying to bump draft with her. She got tired of it, let him pass her. And then she blew it into the car- corner so hard with him in front of her that he went under the tires and the tires landed on top of him. <laughs> she just drove away. <laughs> That's perfect. That, that might be the reason we don't race tonight. That might happen to me. <laughs> that Motley crew over there, I'm not surprised. <laughs> All right, so Adam Smith, Sport Compact driver. I think you've got probably one of the cooler stories that I'm going to get to talk about within these track champions. Talk to me how you got hooked up with Jim Cahill to go race that Guns and Hoses event. Yeah, so actually uh, Jim had posted something on Facebook about a first responders race for the First Responders Foundation. And they were looking for cops and firemen to race each other at intermission. 
and someone had actually tagged me in the post, and as soon as I seen it, I messaged him uh, right away, and he said, can you guarantee you can be there on, you know, this is, I don't remember, January, February time, can you be there on January 3rd? And I said, yep, we'll be, we'll be there. Yeah, you know, July 3rd probably. Yep, July, or July, yeah. yeah. Whatever. I mean, yeah. I'd love to be racing sorry. January 3rd, I would but too. it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> January. So anyways, uh, yeah, I said, I'll be there. And we were pumped. Uh, and that first, the first night that we raced, uh, Jim talks, it was, a, it was a crazy night because we actually ran heat races uh, with four cars. And they, and jo- Joe and him were up there and they were so nervous because we're racing other people's cars and they yeah. still have to race a feature. Yeah. And cars were bumping and spinning out, and it was just a it was just a crazy, crazy sequence of racing uh, between you know inexperienced people out on the track, and uh, so anyways uh, that night we had a we had a good race, and uh, I think uh, Dusty Wyman uh, was racing too, and him and I were battling to the end there, and I ended up coming out champion, and uh, Jim uh, invited me back for the one the next year. So the, the way the whole uh, Guns and Hoses works is a lot like a King of the Hill. Uh, but the winner of the previous race comes down pit lane and then picks the next driver they're going to race against. And if I remember right, you got picked last. And you only had to go out there and win one race. Yeah, um, well, <laughs> the, uh, the, the second year we started off with, with doing that. And I got picked last of, I think, uh, they'd taken out all the cops. I think Brad, my, my uh, teammate over there, was actually racing for the firemen. And he had taken out all the other cops. And then he had picked me. Uh, sorry, Brad. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, you didn't beat him. You took him out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he, he tried. And uh, so I ended up beating Brad for that and, and winning, the, winning uh, the championship again there. So then, all right, back me up a little bit. I, I, were you into racing at all? Before uh, I grew up around racing, um, I grew up a couple doors down from Rick and Kerry Weston okay. uh, and their son, Jared Weston, who now races. Uh, he's got like seven Trek championships over Adams County Speedway. Uh, we went yeah. to the races pretty much every weekend at Adams County Speedway. And I don't think he can actually count that high, so you can just pull out a number. <laughs> yeah, too, so. I, I don't know. <laughs> he, he's somewhere up there. But uh, So anyways... Uh, I mean, growing up, we were around racing quite a bit, going Adams County Speedway. We'd come out to I-80 Speedway, Sunset. Uh, we would go up to Jefferson, uh, South Dakota, Denison. I mean, we traveled around watching races and stuff, but um, I tried my hand at racing uh, for like a year and a half over at Adams County Speedway and didn't have the funds and ability or anything like that. So I uh, gave it up and... Um, a couple of my buddies, Chris Boswell and Stephen Biggerstaff, were racing figure eight cars, and I said, hey, let's, let's try to race figure eight. So it's pretty much a compact. It's just a Cavalier busted out windows, and you go race it in a figure eight. And um, we were kind of, we were doing that. Not very successful at doing that either, but um, then we started doing this, and I just the right people and the right support to put me in the position where I'm in now. So second full-time season racing at the conclusion of this year. Uh, I think you were really close to winning the championship last year, too. You were, you were in the mix, right? Yeah, I was in third place. I was actually first place in points uh, with, like, two nights left, two, three nights left. And then uh, Chris and Brian Van Onsdale, uh pulled ahead of me uh, there at the end. Um, but I hadn't, let's see, 
I think I won one race last year, but I was just really consistent. You yeah. Know? That's just what it took last year to be, to be up front. So. And then this year, obviously able to get the job done. And uh, that's a tough class to get the job done in because it's, it's such a technical way you got to drive those cars. You, I talk about it all the time on the PA that you really got to keep your momentum up and you, and you can't, you can't saw on the wheel. You can't jar the car too much or you're just going to kill your momentum and you're going to get freight trained. Yeah, they don't have the uh, horsepower to get up on them and get going, you know, if you uh, will up your RPM. So you have to keep your wheel speed up. I went to TBG uh, tuned and he talked to me about keeping it between 5,500 and 7,000 RPMs and uh, all the time. Otherwise, you aren't, I mean, the car isn't going to run. Yeah. And so I just worked on doing uh, that quite a bit, keeping your wheel as straight as you can when you're going around the corner. A lot of guys, if you watch them in the corner, they're cranked clear to the left and they're pushing and they're causing friction on their tires. So they're na- not able to get that drive off the corner. So just trying to do that, learn that stuff. Um, I paid attention really close to um, how other people were driving and trying to do better and um, pedal the throttle a little bit differently. And uh, Dustin Grout was a big help in that. He would watch my videos that uh, my smoking hot wife would post on YouTube, <laughs> or, uh, and, uh, of me driving and or on Facebook, and uh, he would tell, "Hey, you need to do this, you need to do that," and, and I just listened to him closely and uh, learned how to drive the car and and uh, caught on pretty quickly, I guess. Well, it's also a, it's a total different driving style because you're not being pushed by the rear wheels, you're being pulled by the front wheels. Right, you're being pulled by the front wheels. Uh, This car, you have to get it. Actually, when I went over to Dustin the first time, I had the car set up totally wrong, like a rear wheel drive car, and I had to get it to push over to the right front so it would drive off those front tires. And uh, it wasn't doing that, uh, that actually, that second year, this is the first year that I've had it doing that. So um, he helped me quite a bit with that setup, you know, to get it. So drive off those front tires and have that forward drive off the corners well and you have to have the tires matched on the sides and stuff so it's not like you can put a bunch of stagger or anything in it um you can't and the rules don't allow much of any of that change so it's pretty hard to to get that stuff um and and i will say i think out of most of the cars uh, denny did a pretty good job of it but driving off the bottom i was able to drive off the bottom better than most people you know put it on top and and still have the rpms to drive up off the bottom uh the way i was putting it in the corner so i could make some passes so and that's got to be important, too, because, I mean, the obvious statement of you can't pass somebody when you're following them in their tire tracks. That, that's right. That's, it's, it's really hard in the compacts to get a pass, um, especially on those really dry, slick nights. So you have to be able to try to put it on the bottom um, and still have that momentum to get past them. And we've seen lots of nights where um, I, I would just stay in a, a good line and people couldn't get past me, you know, because they couldn't get their wheel speed up on whatever line they were running because I was running the fastest line. So. What are your thoughts for what you're going to do next year for racing? Or are you going to hang up the helmet and end it on a high note? Or well, we're actually over here talking about it right now. <laughs> we're not for sure what we're going to do Probably at this a moment. Probably a late model. Couple more ultras. They're going to go race <laughs> yeah. Daytona. Yeah. <laughs> it has to have alignment in it, though. <laughs> really? Is that what that I'm is? That kind of, yeah. <laughs> I thought it was a chunk of ice. I'm going, I did too. I got to keep my left per, uh, left side. Per, percentage down so i gotta okay. go with the ultras well 90 <laughs> calories so yeah it's doing it i tried um, i tried that theory with high noons this summer but that 10 extra calories yeah. they have didn't work for me <laughs> of course it didn't help when you drink nine of them in a night so yeah, yeah i don't know what we're Only gonna do nine? next year you ran out huh yeah <laughs> <laughs> somebody else drank the other three uh are you thinking about going to race into the tracks i mean i i don't know um 
we're, we're looking at Friday nights um, again. I don't know we're looking at Denison. I, I, I don't know. We'll see. I, I grew up around Adams County. I like that track. And then on the other token, uh, my son raced uh, there at Little Sunset forever in go-karts and a little bit at Eagle. And uh, he's 15 now, and he drove the car at one of the specials and ended up running fourth and uh, did a lot better than I thought on Speedway Motors nights. He ran fourth in yeah. my compact and kind of surprised me. I didn't know that he would, you know, I didn't think he'd be able to stay up there, and he did. He held his own and was trying to make a, another pass for third place. So I don't know, maybe we'll put him in the car a couple nights or something. I don't know. Talking with Adam Smith, driving the number 21, the 2022 track champion at ID Speedway for the Sport Compacts. Uh, does it get old hearing that? Um, no, it actually doesn't. <laughs> you know, growing up, I, I never thought that, you know, you never think you're going to be a track champion or anything like that. And it, even going into this season, I wasn't even thinking. I just wanted to go race and have fun. Jim, Jim gave me a great opportunity to go run, and I never yeah. thought track champion ever i just wanted to go out and run the car and have fun and and uh and here we are so i think i think jim did he get his first career win at i-80 yes this year? he did yeah yes he did he got his first career win at i-80 speedway and we were all hi jim <laughs> how you doing <laughs> yeah right yeah he just ha what... he just happened to be here right um does, did he ever try to rub it in that he got that win? Oh, yeah. Because I, I yeah. can imagine, like, I just one of these times, like, when he's trying to give you any advice, say, I'm sorry, I couldn't hear you over my track championship trophy. <laughs> yeah. Could you speak up, please? <laughs> <laughs> I should, except for he might ban me from the race team. I don't want that to happen. Uh, irreconcilable differences is the reason for the separation. <laughs> uh but anyway, so uh, yeah, it's it's always fun watching you guys, the Turn Four crew, because you guys are over there just having a hell of a time, and and I do like it. Like I I, I think it, there's I'm gonna list off a couple of people, but there's just so many people in the pits to do this. But like the Bridges and uh, and you guys over there in Turn Number Four, I, I think of the Robinsons. Like yeah, it's about racing and the competing and having a good time, but it's more about the camaraderie, and I, I think that's obviously we're seeing tonight with everybody over here having a good time, having a couple of beers supporting you and, and, and coming up and doing your interviews and stuff. I think you guys do it the way that dirt track racing has is, is been so uh, well known for. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. Jim put, you know, Jim put this together. He allowed me to race a car, and then the next year said, hey, let's put on a firefighter. Let's put on Brad Lucas. Brad did a really good job. I mean, I'm, I beat him in the first responder's <laughs> race. I mean, I'll mention that again live on the radio. But, uh, <laughs> but we put Brad on, and then this year we put on Melissa – um, and uh, it's just been a lot of fun over there. We're all helping each other on the track, off the track. It's a good support system while you're, you know, while you're there. And, and uh, it just, I mean, the nice part about it is you go out there and you have your own uh, information about how you thought the track was running. And, and, and we have three people, you know, four, uh, three extra people besides yourself that can tell you what the track's doing and stuff yeah. like that. And we can talk about different things and, and uh, you know, kind of game plan for where we're going to go on the race. So, but now that but now that you're the champ, they've all got to listen to you. Well, right? yeah, I mean, okay. <laughs> actually, I probably gave the least information while we were out there, and I was just listening to them, and so and using. Yeah, it. and now they're like that little son of a bitch <laughs> yeah. was holding back. <laughs> you're over there in the I, corner going, "Look at those idiots." <laughs> 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 uh, 
They almost look like they're getting ready to leave. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> even down here. That's all right. He can ride his track championship home. Uh, talk, you talking about being a part of the First Responders Foundation, and um, obviously you got into I believe, a Red Oak police officer? Yeah, I'm a Red Oak police officer. Yep, yep. I'm an investigator there. Um, I started out, uh, I shouldn't say this, but I started out at the fire department, <clears throat> and then I got smart. It's okay. We, gotta, we all got to start at the bottom <laughs> no, I'm <anyways>. joking. <laughs> In 2008, <laughs> I started at the Red Oak Police Department. Uh, since 2012, I've been the investigator there in Red Oak. Um, it's a great place to work, great yeah. town. Uh, the boss, I have to thank him uh, for letting me leave on Fridays early uh, to go to the races, uh, letting me out to go to the first responders races. He even came and showed his support a few times, and uh, he actually got in the car this year and tried his own hand at it. So, Who's the police chief down uh, there now? Justin Ramey. He's from Villisca. Okay. Wow. You got any business cards? I get to Red Oak once in a while. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I was going to say, growing up in that town, I know you got a lot of work to do. Yeah, you probably don't want to throw my name down. <laughs> well, probably get double tickets. There's, there's quite a bit of investigation that needs to go on down in that town. But yeah, Red Oak's always, you know, it's always been the kind of a butt of a joke, especially up here with, you know, people like, oh, you're from Red Oak. And I mean, it's a good little town. It, there's a lot of really nice people that live there. and It is. There's a lot of positive to it. Um, yeah. The business is actually starting to pick back up again and grow. Good. and. Yeah, it's a really nice town. There's a lot of good things happening uh, with the sports programs and stuff like that. They're bringing in some good people down there. I, so. I know you got a lot of swing down there, uh, especially when you set your track championship trophy on the desk. Can you please fix the strip through there? When they went one lane in I the know, turning lane. I know. And the That's your old stomping stop grounds. That's your own stop, it is. old stomping grounds. I know. And I'm not saying I used to drag race my Corsica or anything down that thing. but <laughs> None of us you did. can't drag race a Corsica. <laughs> That's right. I didn't used to do that to my uh, 76 Chevy Silverado either. Yeah. So. Well, I met the police before I was a police officer. But, Don't worry. Uh, I had, no, had I, many a times that they walked up and went... Damn it, you get home. Yeah, and people you don't go tear stuff up in the country. You don't need to do it in the county. <laughs> yeah. Go home and break another corn bin. Yeah. yeah. And you can't sit in the McDonald's parking lot anymore because they put a scooters there, or in the fairway parking lot because they put a bunch of grass there so That's people just, wouldn't park there anymore. They're killing all the fun for the kids. <laughs> yeah. Anyways. So, yeah, yeah no, but people don't understand the turning lane, so you have to explain the turning lane to people. And well, there's nothing more aggravating to me, like, because I, I go through the town every holiday when mm -hmm. I go, like, to my brother's house, lives on the outskirts of, uh, of uh, what, 48 there on the south side of town. And I'm driving through town and come to a stoplight, and there's nobody around. And then there's the green arrow, and you're like, go. Oh, there's nobody there to go. <laughs> I mean, up here in the big city, we have yeah. sensors and, yeah. <laughs> and stuff like that. But, you know, it's small world, yeah, first world have, problems. But yeah. 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 How many times do you have to pull people over because they just go right through those red lights because oh, they're just tired of staying stopped? It's constantly. I bet. I, it, well, and we have one flashing right now. Yeah. So they stop at the other ones and then just go through it. <laughs> Is it flashing red it's or yellow? Not, the others are not flashing at all. <laughs> it's solid red, yes. So, And it's right in front of you, and I, I'm like, I don't want to stop anybody. Come yeah. on. It's raining. <laughs> I'm out of coffee. But everybody's staring at you like, aren't you going to do something? It's like, yeah, okay. Fine, I'll pull them over <laughs> again. All right, just look like you're sorry, please. Yeah. <laughs> All right, uh, so not really sure what you're going to do next year. We'll talk to you more, uh, maybe get you up for the World of Wheels Car Show, yeah. figure out what you guys are going to do. Uh, I'll let the, um, the, uh, the CenturyLink know ahead of time so they can stock more beer for the First Responders Foundation <laughs> Thank group, you. group outing. Uh, by the way, Penthouse Lounge, that seems to be the unofficial home. 
Is that yes. it? Yes, Penthouse Lounge. Yeah. Over in Omaha. Oh yeah. Yeah. Eight, eight, okay. Fourth Street. Yeah. Jim Karaoke's right there every proud sponsor, First Responders Foundation race team. <laughs> oh, I, we told Jim they didn't have karaoke here, but they do at Penthouse Lounge every Thursday night. <laughs> let's get, let's go to that part. Let's thank some of those great sponsors that helped the 21 team win their championship. Yeah, this well, year. we'll start off with Penthouse Lounge. Uh, they were great help uh, this year. They came on at the end of last year. Uh, Paul Davis Restoration, uh, they've been with us for the last couple years. They're a huge support. Uh, Paul Davis Restoration, Omaha. I see uh, their vans all around town all the time. Yeah, they're always hard at work. What are they, I mean, just, is it normal? I mean, yeah, what so kind if of you have damage from fires fire, and fires are smoke damage and different stuff like that, they come in and help uh, renovate your house and get it back in working shape. I got smoke damage on this microphone cover. Can they <laughs> fix that for me? Yeah, yeah. probably. I mean, they probably can. <laughs> Uh, next is Ultimate Truck Off-Road Center. Um, I don't know if you've been on their Facebook page, but they have some amazing rides they put together, Jeeps and trucks. And Since I sold my Colorado, I had to stop following them because it just makes it more and more painful that I don't have a truck anymore. <laughs> Every yeah. time they post something, I'm yeah. just like, oh, man. Yeah. And Marty, Marty comes to the races, and he's a huge supporter of us, and, and he's always there watching. And, uh, I mean, he, he, they just do excellent work over there, uh, Ultimate yeah. Truck Off-Road Center. They sponsored somebody for years. I mean, even back in the yeah. sunset days. Yeah, he's sponsored. he's sponsored a lot of cars. Yep. yep. Next on the list, uh, Armored Knights, uh, the security, they came on this year. Uh, they do uh, truck security, you know, that you see at the banks and stuff. But then they also do some private security stuff. Um, they also do a great job. They helped us out a lot this year. They came on. Um, Joshua Medical Center, um, they have, uh, they're a great group of people. They have bilingual uh, speakers there um, for anybody. And they're in South Omaha. So if you want to go down there, if um, you speak Spanish, um, I don't know. I don't think this podcast is in Spanish. But um, if you speak Spanish, uh, go down there, and they have bilingual speakers for you and, and uh, some excellent care and help down there. Reed Smith, my father, um, he helps helps me out. Um, whether it's donating to the First Responders Foundation or the car or whatever, he helps push through. And then uh, First Responders Foundation. I mean, that's what we're doing this for. Yeah. Uh, um, Jody Teal, Todd Sears, Al Bachelorette, there at the First Responders Foundation. Um, they are there for, for the first responders to help to make sure uh, they can go back to work. They're mentally sound. Um, we had an incident uh, in Red Oak this year, and they were on the phone calling right away, offering assistance as soon as they heard something happened. I mean, they were on the spot. They have uh, plenty of help down there. You know, they want to make sure first responders are ready to go to work and be mentally sound and ready to help the public. Uh, yeah. If you take care of the first responders, um, then the first responders will be more apt to help you and, and not have issues and stuff like that. So, and that's their part, and they do a great job of it that's an awesome uh, organization and um that's something that we don't talk a lot about as the public is that i get to be shielded from all the stuff you guys have to uh go through and right. you know you guys come up to an accident scene you're seeing some incredibly graphic stuff right correct, that yeah it's going to stay with you for the rest of your life. Yeah, I actually, I have a tattoo right here, and it says, Living is easy with eyes closed. And it's actually, um, it's not nice and pretty or anything. It's rugged and stuff like that, because that's, that's what it is. Um, so we go in, we, you know, the public, they're living with eyes closed. They don't see what yeah. we see on a day-to-day -day basis. Um, 
there's lots of PTSD stuff, you know. Um, I mean, for instance, I don't know. I mean, I, I had a SIDS baby when I had a child that was young. Well, I ran into that room every five minutes when they were sleeping after I seen my first SIDS, SIDS baby, mm-hmm. you know. So um, it can affect you mentally. Um, and, you know, especially in a small town, you know, you pretty much know everybody. So you go on an accident scene, you pretty much know that person, yeah. whether they're related to you or not. And so it can affect you uh, mentally. And First Responders Foundation is there to help you out. They have peer support groups to help your family as well uh, so they can understand uh, how and what we're going through. You talk about the small town stuff. Everybody's heard a story of a small town squad guy, you know, EMT or an officer shows up at an accident. It's their kid, Mm -hmm. their brother, whatever. That'd be terrible. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, it happens, and thank thank God I haven't had to um, do anything like uh, like that yet. But um, like I said, the First Responders Foundation is there to help out all the first responders with those things. Uh, any other sponsors? Um, well, I don't have any more sponsors on here. Smoking, first responders, uh, smoking hot but, wife. Smoking. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Hold but my smoking hot wife, I'd like to thank her. <laughs> I missed that one on my like last interview with Anthony. Oh, you did? I still have not heard the end of that. No, I no, I heard you say it. Just the uh, the PA cut. Oh out. yeah, it cut out. It totally. Wireless I cut told out. her. Yeah. So see, see he's verifying. I heard him. It, I saw him say it. It's just the PA cut out, right, Anthony? <laughs> Anthony said yes. Yeah, Anthony said yes. Lydia heard it too. He's All okay. Right. Sounds like first responders ought to get a booth down at the auto show. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Take a few race cars down yeah. to yeah. display. Yeah. Um, I'm serious. You guys ought to get a booth down there. At the you auto should. show. I Jim, fix, Jim approves. Uh, after the last night, i got to fix my car up. <laughs> you <laughs> got time. It's not so much. Yeah. <laughs> we got wrestling. Get, you might get, have your too booth much next, get your booth next to ours. This guy's a liquor salesman. we got a great cooler. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, I'd also like to... Uh, I'd like to thank my daughter for coming and supporting me at Aspen. She's usually busy with dance stuff. Uh, She comes every weekend and supports me. Uh, My sons, Abel and Aiden, they're my crew chiefs. They're always with me. It's it's kind of a family effort, you know, working on the race car, loading everything. I mean, it's a family deal, and and we spend a lot of time uh, doing that stuff. Jim Cahill uh, for giving me the opportunity to do this. Uh, We obviously, I wouldn't obviously be here without Jim Cahill saying, hey, buddy, let's, let's put you in a car and try to race weekly. So, <laughs> Kind of created a monster. Yeah, I pretty much I, I, uh, I, I, uh, um, really thank him for this opportunity. So I never and a million nerds would have thought Trek champion behind yeah. my name would be a thing. So um, the, go ahead. The final one. Well. Nobody got, else will ever be the oh, IED track I, champion. I got a couple other. Okay. If you, if no, I was saying the final track champion. At oh, IED. yeah, the final track champion. Yeah. Nobody, nobody else will ever be nobody the else gets I to know. Say Nobody that. else. Not Brad? No. Not Brad? Not Jim? Not Jim? Nope. <laughs> nope. <laughs> <laughs> not, not even your smoking hot wife. Not even my smoking hot wife. <laughs> uh, I also need to thank uh, Brad. Brad and I talked a lot on the phone about uh, cars and setups and different things that were happening. Um, and so Brad helped me out a lot. Um, Melissa, Dan, Brad, Jim, all of them helped me in the pits. Something something goes on with your car, they're there in a second. Dan's in your car helping you. I mean, mm-hmm. it's just, um, they're a huge help. I mean, that's the whole family thing we have going on uh, down in turn four. It's a great, uh, great thing down there. 
Josh Most helps me um, straighten my car. <laughs> straighten things on my car. Straighten the things you've been. <laughs> yeah, straighten the things <laughs> I've been. Uh, he gives me a little bit of advice. Dustin Grout. Uh, Dustin Grout um, actually started out um, being uh, or letting me drive his car at the first responders races. Um, Dustin, from the first day, was telling me how to drive that car and uh, got me through those two races. And then after that, he continued helping me um, with setup. And, he, you know, he was always fast racing out there. Yeah. And then uh, helping me drive that car and the different tracks and stuff. Um, and then I've already thanked uh, Justin Ramey for letting me off work to, to come. Fantastic. Race, so. Congratulations, man. Thank you. I Adam it. Smith, driving number 21, your 2022 IED Speedway track champion. That's going to do it for us today. Big thanks to Quaker Steak and Lube and Joe's Carding for supporting the front stretch. Dirk and I will be back next week with more interviews to come from the I-80 Speedway Track Champions. Have a great weekend, everybody. The official watering hole of the front stretch has you covered any day of the week with the best wings, great burgers, and amazing steaks. Each weekday from 4 to 6 is happy hour, featuring dollar off draft and well drinks plus $4 luberitas. Mondays are kids night. Tuesdays are all you can eat wings for $12.95. And the lube even delivers to the Council Bluffs area. Like Quaker Steak and Lube Council Bluffs on Facebook for a full list of weekly events. Get to Quaker Steak and Lube. Mid-America Drive, Council Bluffs. Hey, look at that. You're sitting on your couch playing Halo, Madden, or NASCAR while your friends are at Joe's Karting. Each lap is an adrenaline-filled, heart-pumping, white-knuckle experience that you can only get at the Metro's largest indoor karting track. Eco-friendly Honda engines rip you around their professionally designed road course at breakneck speeds. Can you reach the 14-second lap bracket? There's only one way to find out. Put the controller down and get to Joe's Karting. 23rd Avenue in Council Bluffs next to Quaker Steak and Lube.